Well, good morning. So, um, it's been a while since I was uh, up front, so a uh, little out of practice, but it'll be fine. Um, Holy Spirit's here, plenty of room. Um, and if anyone had experienced my messages at the previous location, you will have known that very often I'd said I'd prepare a message and you'd have it all ready and then God would say, Ugh. and that's exactly what happened last night. Um, same message, just slightly different tack. Um, but I'm going to start off with a joke. Um, I had a choice of jokes, actually. There was a kitten story and a dog story. I was going to give you a choice, but I'm going to tell you the dog story because there's too many cat lovers around. Um, there was a man who took his dog for a walk uh, to a lake and threw a stick for the dog, threw the stick into the lake. And the dog ran across the top of the lake, picked up the stick and came back. And the man said, he ran across the top of the lake, picked up the stick and ran back. Said, no, can't be. Surely my eyes are deceiving me. So the following day, he took his neighbour with him and said, watch, threw the stick for the dog. The dog ran across the top of the water, picked up the, dog, picked up the stick and ran back and said, there you go. And the man said to his neighbour, what do you notice? So what do you mean? He said, what, what do you notice about my dog? He said, well, he can't swim. And, and, and that's, that's often how we see... Some people see their faith. You see something blindingly obviously happening in front of you and you say, no, nah, it can't be, it's not happening. So um, a couple of weeks ago when, when Pastor Dave asked me if I would speak, he mentioned in his message that week about goals, dreams and visions. And uh, when we were in YWAM, we had a whole week of training on goals, dreams and visions and storytelling. And um, I thought, yeah, why not? So, spirit-filled Christians, we, 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 we say we have lots of dreams and visions. Um, why should we be surprised? Actually, we shouldn't be surprised because it's, it's biblical, funnily enough. Um, in the book of Joel, um, I will pour out my spirit on all people, on all people, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Um, and that's usually where it stops. Um, however, there's always a however with biblical stuff, isn't there? We're very selective what we read. Um, I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, yeah, goals, dreams and visions, isn't it wonderful? Um, yeah, but there's a cost. Um, has God always spoken to people in, goal, in dreams and visions? Yes, he has. Um, Numbers 12, verse 6, God said to Aaron and Miriam, who'd previously been criticising Moses, um, 
Listen to my words. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I will reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. However, we seem to have lost sight of this particular type of revelation, I think. Um, Everything needs to be explainable, doesn't it? We're in a world where you can just go to Google and you can Google anything. doesn't matter what it is, how out there and amazing it is. There's always, we always have to have an answer. We can't have anything that you can take on faith. A little bit like the dog running on the water. Why can you not believe that that can happen? Do we not believe because we haven't seen? Now, that's another biblical quote, isn't it? Now... Lindsay and I, as, as Pastor Dave said, we've, we've, we've spent a few years in missions and doing mission work. And when you get to a place where there is nothing around, like in the middle of the bush in Africa, where there is no TV, there is no radio, there's no internet, um, and you're out there and people are expecting you, the local people are expecting you to bring something really special to them. Um, this happened to us when we were on a YWAM outreach. Now, if anyone has ever done a, a disciple tra- discipleship training school with YWAM, you'll know that you get so far... You could walk on water, easy, and would try. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but whatever, we'll give it a go. So we go out there and we pray for people, and why doesn't it always work? Um, the guy that taught us goals, dreams, and visions told us a story of the, this was in the late 1990s, of um, he, he visited a house church in China, which was all underground. They had a really, really small house. They had 10,000 people in their church, and different people would go in on a certain time of each day. And um, Paul, our friend, went in to see the pastor and said, um, so pastor, what, what do you say when people don't get healed? And the pastor said, well, what do you mean, don't get healed? Is it not written, pray and you will be healed? It's not negotiable. So they prayed for people, and people got healed. Maybe not immediately. Uh, We had that similar experience. Our group split into two. One group went out to one village. We went to another one. And um, they prayed for this lady who was in the corner. She was blind and mute and deaf. And nothing happened. Now, it just so happened that we went back to YWAM Zimbabwe after we'd finished our training. And we caught up with what happened afterwards. And, um, yeah, the, the lady slowly got back her hearing and she walked and she spoke. And it was like, yeah, hallelujah, it's worked. You know, we, we prayed and, and God answered. And then a couple of years later, I went back to Zimbabwe and, and I found the last bit of the story, which was the lady had been being looked after by the local witch doctor. Um, And it wasn't working. She wasn't getting healed. Surprise, surprise. Um, So the witch doctor came after the YWAM people had been, and she said, no, I'm going to see if these people's God can fix me. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Um, And he did. And... The woman found Jesus. And she was so excited, and everyone else had seen what happened. They were so excited that she actually set up a house church. 
And the house church grew and grew and grew. And the last I heard, the witch doctor had actually given up witch doctoring and become a Jesus follower. Ghost dreams and visions. And there's a saying, unless you see it before you see it, you'll never see it. Be bold. Be very bold. So, how does God give us goals, dreams, and visions? Well, sometimes he talks to us. Um, 1 Samuel 3, Lord calls Samuel. Um, Samuel and Eli. There's a story where Samuel wakes up at night, hears a voice, and goes to Eli and said, yes. There's a, there's a lovely skit about this, by the way, with the Lord's Prayer, but we don't have time for that. Um, and Eli says, no, it wasn't me. And Samuel goes back to bed and hears another voice. No, it wasn't me. And it was actually the audible voice of God. Does God actually talk to people audibly? Well, I have to say he hasn't spoken to me audibly. But people have told me that he has spoken to them audibly. How strong is my faith? How strong is your faith? Do you believe if someone says, God spoke to me audibly, are you going to take them at their word? Or you can say, no, it doesn't happen. Interesting. Challenging. Um, I turned my piece of paper over too soon. Never mind. Um, Genesis 12, Lord said to Abraham, go to your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Paul on the road to Damascus. Personal experience. Visions. Um, he also spoke to the whole church. Revelation 1.1. The revelation from Jesus which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. Um, sent an angel. Same way that he sent an angel down to Mary for Jesus, wasn't it? So all these things happen. Does it still happen? I've spoken to loads of people who have had stories where Things have been going disastrously wrong. Young children getting lost on a train in Hong Kong in the middle of the rush hour. And they said, oh, it's okay, mummy. Someone came up and put me on the train. There was nobody. It could only have been an angel. Do we believe it? Do we not? These things happen. Sometimes people have dreams. Um, <clears throat> Lauren Cunningham, 1956, was in, I think, Bahamas or Bermuda, some, somewhere nice like that. Um, he was on a retreat with a load of young people. He was praying, and he was praying to a map on the wall, and he saw waves going across all the nations of the world. <clears throat> and he looked, and he prayed a little more, and those, those waves turned into people. So his vision was to have loads of people going, taking over the world in waves. And he set up Youth with a Mission. Now in something like 180 countries with over 20,000 people on the ground, going out and radically changing people. Mainly because people go out like we did and said, we can do that. Nothing is impossible. The world doesn't believe it. Do you not have faith? Anything. All things are... Again, it's written, isn't it? Do we not believe the book? All things are possible. Um, when we were in, in the Philippines, um, 
we were going to set up a ministry down in Mindanao to do medical work. For one reason or another, it didn't work, and we needed to go off and do some ministry training. And we were trying to work out whether we should. And you know what? Everywhere we looked, on the back of the jeepneys, God will make a way. God will make a way. We, we had a tape player in the car. We'd lost a Hillsong tape. Lindsay found it one day. It happened to be in the tape player. It wasn't there in the morning. Put it in. What was playing? Darlene, check. All things are possible. You think, this can't be a coincidence. And that was the beginning of our journey. We went to YWAM in England, did our training, and linked with Lauren Cunningham. Lauren Cunningham's vision saw us get trained. So what do we do? Well, we went on outreach to Zimbabwe. Our plan was to go back to the Philippines. God had another idea. He took me back to Zimbabwe. Um, was it a pleasant journey? No, it wasn't. He had, they had me there for a reason. Unfortunately, he hadn't told everybody else in YWAM Zimbabwe why I was there, and it got very unpleasant. Um, but while we were there, we got involved in a local church, Highlands Presbyterian Church, best described as a Presbycostal church. Um, Pente uh, Presbyterian church run by um, a minister who, I, I did warn Pastor Dave there would be lots of stories, run by a, a minister, Pete, who um, found Jesus because he used to take his kids to youth and sit in the car and someone went up and said, Pete, it's cold, come and have a coffee. And he found Jesus and then became a pastor. Big businessman, he'd done some time in jail for fraud, yet he's the pastor and he's still there. Went to Scotland as Church of Scotland minister, retired at 70, went back to Zimbabwe, and he's an assistant minister there. Highlands. Highlands had this vision to do medical ministry out in, in the Batonka Valley, in the middle of nowhere. Um, and we helped to write the concept plan for the ministry, which is still going very nicely. Thank you. Um, the ministry was under the auspices of Operation Mobilization. Here's another coincidence. Um, George Verwer. George Verwer was an athlete and a Boy Scout and a typical American kid. He was born in about 1936. Um, and he got up to what they said was shenanigans, like setting fire to stuff and the like. Um, news of the incident prompted a local Christian lady called Dorothea Clapp. Dorothea Clapp. To start praying for him, that he would find faith in Jesus. And she said afterwards she was going to put him on a Holy Spirit's hit list. He was in her sights. And she sent him a Gospel of John, just for fun. Didn't immediately make an impact, but three years later, he went to a Billy Graham event. Um, long story short, put his hand up, accepted Jesus. Um, if it wasn't for Billy Graham, I wouldn't have got into chaplaincy ministry quite so deeply because I worked for him ten years ago setting up disaster ministry in Canberra, in Australia rather. Coincidence? I know the plans I have for you, in retrospect. Um, when Ferber was 18, he, one summer he said to one of his friends, let's pile the van full of Bibles and take them to Mexico. They really need the gospel. And his friend said, you're kidding. We can't do that. We don't have time. It's too big. But they went anyway. And... Um, what did he do? He saw the need. The rest didn't matter to him. Um, and it was said that his, uh, his lifelong verwer fervor, 
for missions, move, missions moved untold numbers of Christians to cross borders, cultures, and continents. He did some amazing stuff as well. Who else would put a library on a ship and send it around the world? Unbelievable. And through George Verwer, we set up this medical ministry in Zimbabwe. Isn't it funny how... This, this is what woke me up at 3 o'clock this morning. I was going to tell you about Verwer and Billy Graham and so on, and then I suddenly realised that actually we have a link to all of that. And if it wasn't for them having their vision, we wouldn't be where we are today. Um, it is said of, of George Verwer, his one all-consuming passion in life has been to be a channel whereby people would become long-term friends of Jesus. His comfort zone is breaking out of his comfort zone. He only feels comfortable when he's out of it. Um, and, and he actually said, uh, he, he died in April this year, actually. Um, he said, I still dream. Um, it's easy when you get old to stop dreaming. You're told to be realistic and act your age. Me, act my age, that'll be the day. Um, please forgive me, I still dream. I realise it may not happen, but I'm willing to take that risk, and I'm intoxicated with the dream. It's not original, but it doesn't matter. We must not stop dreaming. God's people must dream. We must dream. Um, we get lots and lots of visions. We, 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 we think of people in our magic prayer list. Um, again, forgive another personal story, but my sister had two sons who were in the British Army. One of them got sent out to somewhere fairly interesting, and, and Lindsay sent him a Bible. And when he came back, he said, he sent us a message on, on Messenger and said, hey, um, I've become Christian. He said, because there was nothing else to do out in the desert. Um, Funnily enough, when I went to Hong Kong on my own in 1995 with no money, I spent most of my time in church, and that's where I gave my life to the Lord. Because what else do you do in Hong Kong without money but go to church? Um, so Alex then married the local pastor's daughter. And over a period of time, my, daughter, my sister started going to the coffee mornings. Uh, and we had a suspicion that it might have gone a little bit more than just turning up. And then we got a message from Alex last week saying that um, my sister's been in hospital um, on some antibiotics for a week or a couple of weeks. Um, and she just, just wrote this message to Alex and said, Alex, this lady just came in and she really wasn't very well. I think she's going to die. And I prayed for her. Is that okay? So we're thinking, hey, Lindsay's goal, dream, vision, call it what you will, of encouraging people. We just have to introduce them to Jesus. He does the rest himself. We don't have to do the conversions. I think that's where we fall over a lot. We should be friends. Friendship ministry. God wants our availability, not our ability. Lots of one-liners, I'm afraid. Okay. Um, do these, these visions and things still happen today? Do they still impact people? Well, there is a testimony of something that happened on October the 22nd, 2007, up in the Great Hall of Parliament. 
um, we'd had all this massive, massive drought. And there was going to be a national prayer meeting at Parliament uh, to pray for rain. Um, it's dangerous, actually, praying for rain. If you just pray for rain and don't be specific, God sends floods. So God's saying, I can imagine God up there saying, "What well, you, you wanted rain. You, you didn't specify how much, but anyway. Um, Lindsay and I walked in. The, the worship was going on. We noticed there was a bit of a commotion at the back, so we wandered over, and there was this gentleman, older Islander gentleman, who was not looking at all well. Uh, he was talking to a local Christian GP, um, and all of a sudden, this gentleman collapsed in a heap on the floor. Um, and I found this online. It said, this is the testimony of a Fijian man named Bill Colicata, pastor of Livingstone's Mission Fellowship in Blacktown, as it happens in Sydney. Uh, while attending a prayer meeting at the Great Hall of Parliament, he had a heart attack and died. And about 20 minutes later, he was resuscitated. This is a factual account that has been medically documented. It is very medically documented. It was the doctor and me that were resuscitating him. Did he die? Almost certainly. Did we bring him back? Well, we kept him going till the Ambos turned up. Um, and we, he did survive. The interesting thing was, um, I had just been... I was chaplain to the emergency services at that point. So I went in to see Bill the following day because I was interested in how he was progressing. Uh, and he was in uh, the coronary care unit at Canberra Hospital. And um, one of the nurses told me that uh, he'd act, you, you, you can't take the pastor's heart away from a man. Uh, the, one of the nurses said that he'd, um, he'd gone up and asked them who was the sickest person in the unit because he wanted to pray for them. And they said, you are. And he hates captive audience. Got a whole bunch of people attached to cables and stuff who can't move far. And, you, and he went around and prayed for all of them. Um, I went in to see him every day. And it turns out that while he was being resuscitated, he had a vision. Boy, what a vision. Um, his spirit left his body and went on a journey. Um, I'll... I'll I'll paraphrase it. He basically went up in this, like, tube. And he was inside this tube, and all around the tube were demons firing arrows and things at him. But he was inside this light-filled tube. And when he got to the top of the tube, he saw this vision of a beautiful church on a mountaintop in rainbow colours. A beautiful picture, but it was built on sand, white sand, like in the Caribbean. And he was told this is the church in the world today, built on sand. The voice of the Lord said to him, Son, what you're seeing now is the picture of my church in the world. It's beautiful, but the foundation is weak. Take this message to the church. So he did. And he brought it back. And um, um, Hilary Maroney actually did a video of all of this and put it on a CD. And, and it went round quite a lot of the Christian, um, Christian population in Australia. Um, and then it went worldwide. And I thought, well, this, this was really interesting. You know, it's a very exciting. It was a nice vision and stuff. But um, until I found this yesterday, it said, shortly after his experience, the leaders of Willow Creek Church in Chicago repented publicly for their mistakes 
which has been built, building their church on a seeker-friendly model of church growth, preaching what people want to hear. And they repented for it. All because a pastor in Australia died, went to heaven, came back, and showed his vision. Unbelievable. Bill was an amazing boy. He is an amazing man. Um, he would pray for everybody every morning. Uh, and of course, I was having these conversations with him every day. And you know how, how soundproof those blue curtains are. There was a Muslim gentleman in the bed next door. Um, and apparently, when his imam came in to see him later in the week, well, a couple of things had happened. Firstly, the guy had gone off to have a procedure and missed Bill's prayer round. So he went to Bill and said, hey, Christian pastor, can you please pray for me? I missed you this morning. Like, <laughs> can't make this stuff up. Um, but even better than that, um, he was heard talking to his imam. He said, you know, this guy next door, he's had this, this strange bloke coming in every day and they've been talking about this story, this vision he had. And he said, unbelievable. He said, I want some of that. It's scary. But it gives goosebumps, doesn't it? We just have to be available. We have to be obedient. Yeah. Okay. How are we doing time-wise? Almost time to finish. Okay. So, we have visions. Or we think we do. Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. But let's assume we do. Let's assume God still talks to us if, if we're prepared to listen. Um... We should write them down. Um, we should seriously consider them. Why don't we consider them? Oh, well, people will think I'm crazy. Yeah, and? Um, oh, but we, we couldn't possibly do that. That's not how we do it. Why not? Can we not change? You couldn't have told me 25, 30 years ago that when I was watching Star Trek in the late 60s, that I could have this little thing here which has got thousands of times the power of Apollo 11. I can now push this button and I can talk to my sister in a hospital bed on the other side of the world. But I bet someone said 50 years ago, oh, we can't do that. Why not? Didn't have the vision. And it might just be that you have this vision and you'd say to someone, hey, I just thought about this. And they said, you know what? So I was thinking about that too. You know, um, if stand, someone stands up and has a prophecy, so it happened in our church in, Zimbab in Zimbabwe, our uh, Presbycostal church, uh, occasionally someone would stand up and they would have a tongue, and we would just stop until someone interpreted it. Just because someone said it was so doesn't necessarily mean it is. It needs to be confirmed. It's like prayer. You know, two or three are gathered, I'm with you. Test it. And undoubtedly you'll hear wrong a lot of the time, but you'll eventually hear right. Um, it's like Joyce Meyer said, it's like riding a bike. Where are you going? Oh, I don't know. Well, why don't you start riding the bike, and when you start riding the bike, God can show you the way. Oh, but what if I go the wrong way? Well, that's okay. He'll just gently come up and point you in the right direction. What if I do it a lot? Well, that's okay. He'll come up and say, Joyce... 
Can you just listen a little more carefully? I thank you for your obedience in what you think you're hearing, but... Why not step out? You never know where it's going to lead you. When I left England in 1995, never in a million years did I expect to be... to to have had the journey we've had and to end up speaking at a church in Australia. Having travelled the world as a a chaplain, as a a missionary, um, it wasn't a very pretty journey, I have to say. But then, nothing worthwhile is. Um, Imagine a, a, a chrysalis or an egg. If a bird is hatching and you crack the egg for it, the bird will not survive because it doesn't grow strong. A butterfly has to break out of the chrysalis in order to be strong. It says in the, doesn't it say in the Bible, in this life you will have trouble. It's not negotiable. James 1.1, in this life you will have trouble. So what are we going to do about it? Are we going to be proud of being workers for Jesus? Um... What if someone asks you what you do? Now, we, we've all got jobs. But then you say, well, do you go to church? Yes, I do. Well, what do you do at church? What do you say? My, my penultimate comment is something that I saw um, J. John, amazing guy from England, um, he was telling a story of when he was flying to Australia, I think it was. He was on a, on a plane um, flying to Singapore. And um, as you do, sat down, very poshly dressed business lady next to him. Um, and she said, hello. And he said, hello. And she said, um, where are you going? He said, I'm, I'm going to Australia. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Um, and he said, uh, so... Um, so, so, what do you do? And she said, well, I, I work for this big investment bank and I do this. That's fine. So, Mr. Man, what, what do you do? Well, since you ask, um, I, work, I work for a global enterprise. Oh, really? Yeah, a global egg. And we have outlets all over the globe in pretty much every country on the planet. Wow. Oh, well, we, we, do, we do hospitals, and we do hospices, and we do shelters, and, and we, we do counselling for, for marriages, and we, we run orphanages, and we do feeding programmes and education, and we, we're involved in justice and reconciliation, and we, we basically look after people from birth to death. Oh, and we're in the business of behavioural alteration. <laughs> and he said, oh, that must be fantastic. What is it? He said, it's called the church. <laughs> is that you? Or do you just say, oh, well, I'm, I'm just a Christian. I, I just, I, I, don't, I don't do much. You know, you'll be surprised. The number of people that have spoken into your lives that are going to make a difference to your journey the number of people that have spoken into our lives. Um, There's a lovely video that I show occasionally that always brings Pastor Sid to tears. Um, It's a Ray Bolt song called Thank You, where you go through your whole life and then you get to heaven and all these people are coming up and saying, thank you for being my Sunday school teacher. 
Thank you for being my friend when something bad happened to my family. And it's like, we don't have a clue what we do. I have the goal of just going out and being, well, it, Jesus with skin on is what we, we often say. Just be. Um, people see you, they like what you do. Um, sometimes at work, people will come up and, and we'll end up having a bit of a conversation and they'll say, oh, you know, you, you've got a cross on, do you, know, do you go to church? Oh yeah, I do. And we start having this conversation. Um, they say, oh, so you're Christian too? I said, yeah. So, well, I thought there was something different about you. We don't actually have to do very much at all. We just have to be. Um, and we go out. And we have our own little goals, dreams, and visions, short-term and long-term. And um, you just need to work out what you're going to do with them. You can ignore them and just say, oh, no, that wasn't really a dog running on water. Or you can say, wow, that was really interesting. How can I get faith that will allow me to believe that sort of thing? You know, um, we, we've seen and done some miraculous stuff in our time as it happens. Sometimes immediately, sometimes it takes a while, but that's okay. Um, I've come to realize that my role in particular is, is that of an encourager. I'm a Barnabas. Um, I go out and I encourage people, and then they do things themselves. We as a couple, we have a ministry of, it was really irritating before we realized this, we have a ministry of planting stuff. Fantastic gardener, Lindsay, as it happens. Um, we start stuff. The, the medical project in Zimbabwe, um, we help to start it. It's flourishing. Um, we plant seeds, we start watering them, we start encouraging people, and then somebody else gets the headline of working it out. Like I said, very irritating until you realise that your job is not to be the one that picks the crop. But once you realise, wow, this is what we do. And I'm really, really happy that we do, and I'm really happy that we see other people who are, who are picking the fruit of, of what we've done. So let me encourage you today. Um, there's a quote, I, I finally found out who it was. A gentleman by the name of Hunter S. Thompson um, as, a, as an individual, not a particularly savoury character as it happens, but he had a lovely quote. Um, Life should not be a journey to the grave with the intentions of arriving safely in a pretty and well-preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaiming, hey, what a ride. Can I encourage you to be that person just go for it. What have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? And everything to gain, not just yourself, but for the people that you impact. There are going to be loads of people in heaven because of the impact of all of us in this church. However small. Some of us are going to see it. Some of us aren't. But I'm confident that we're all going to get to heaven and we're going to have a whole bunch of people lining up after we've gone through the gates and being told... Well done, good and faithful servant. All these people lining up to say, hey, you did something for me. How's that going to be? How's that going to feel? Amen.